0: So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
1: Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today.
2: On Dukes and Bell.
1: We are Dukes and Bell. We start off
2: every day and every hour by saying, hey, man, happy Monday. Guys, this is the third year in a row we've had a top ten pick. And we're not going to use it on a quarterback. Right? Three years in a row now we've had a Mm. top ten pick. And we're not going to use it on a quarterback after seeing what happened at the Combine this weekend? You've had four games to show you what
3: Desmond Ritter's all about, Carl. And that's apparently enough of a sample size to give him the nod for 2023. I don't know. I think maybe Fontenot goes goes and zigs when we think he's going to zag. I don't know. But it just sounds like everything coming out of our camp is they're committed to starting this thing with Ritter and just building it around and build a good defense and... Maybe not sexy, but they're gonna
2: they're gonna build with this kid as the q b All right. let's talk about what we did see. Uh, and by the way, the Falcons brass that was at the combine did speak to these quarterbacks, including Anthony Richardson. Now, the reason why his name keeps popping is because he had eye popping numbers at the combine. When you start comparing what he did, he broke a couple of records, some things that quarterbacks had never done and some of the uh, you know things that they test you in his speed was off the charts he's framed the way he threw the football it all looked really good and then when we started started to talk about this earlier in the show and we said, would you be interested people started to lose their minds people you should see the responses mm. at dukes and Bell nine two nine where our poll question is up and we are just simply asking you. Would you be interested in Anthony Richardson? And people are going, oh, my God, here you guys go again. Did you see what he did? The thing is, he's the most
3: intriguing physical specimen as far as quarterback. All the things which made the Trey Lance buzz so crazy that the 49ers moved all the way up there and got him, you could say that about Richardson. But Richardson, and we debated, and you made a great comp. You compared him to what Josh Allen looked like coming out of Wyoming. And and I'll tell you what. You know, Josh Allen, you and I never believed he would be a consummate pro, pro, no. know, pro bowler. But I will say this. you got to have the right coach because Richardson was so erratic. He's so inconsistent. you got the ability. He's got all the, Carl, the, the Cam Newton comps that everyone talks about. He can run over you. As he said, I can run over you. I can run around you. I can throw it over you. But I just, I don't know. I mean, it would light up this town, I can tell you that. It'd be electrifying. He's got a, bigger, a larger-than-life personality. He'd be the face of the franchise. You'd have to throw him out there immediately because you're not going to draft him at eight and sit him. Well, we've had a top pick
2: for the last three years, and we haven't
3: used it on a but, quarterback. But of all the quarterbacks, he's the least ready to start that are projected to be in the top ten picks. That's the problem. But, I mean, but, the, but do you believe the upside is is so
2: amazing that you go pull the trigger on this guy? Here's my thing with Anthony Richardson. It's Dukes and Bell Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. It's not about what you see right now, right? This is about projecting. All of these guys, Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, when you draft these guys, guys, you don't win a Super Bowl with a rookie, okay? Nobody does. It's just what it is. But, Mike, I have to know that as this goes along, and what is he going to be in year three and year five, I think Anthony Richardson has the most upside of anybody in this draft when you talk about the quarterbacks. Bryce is going to come in, and he's going to play immediately because you don't take him one, two, or three, or whatever he's going to be, and you don't start him. But the fact of the matter is, it's still about where is Bryce at year three or year five. If you're telling me that he is on a trajectory that Josh Allen has been on, Mm. then you draft him. If you are telling me he's Cam Newton, and in a decade you're going to have an MVP, you're going to go to a Super Bowl, you're going to be in the playoffs every year, you draft him. That cannot be passed up, and I think that is what somebody is going to do. Not necessarily us, but somebody is going to look at this, Mike, and go, he's Cam Newton. we got to draft him. Newton went number one overall. We forget. We forget how talented Cam was. We saw Cam at the end, and you're like, oh, he's washed up. Cam Newton was a monster. And this guy, Mm -hmm. right now, Mike, physically, with what he does, is better.
3: But he's just all over the place. I mean, he's so inconsistent. Now, Josh Allen goes to Buffalo, takes an unbelievable leap between years two and three. And Brian Dable was the guy that was there. Some would argue that uh, he kind of reverted back to some of his bad bad characteristics when Brian Dable moved on to be the head coach of the Giants. And oh, by the way, salvage Daniel Jones' career to the point now he's going to get like a market-bearing contract, which is mind-blowing because Daniel Jones, just a year ago, no one would have paid him a dime. So you got to have the right
2: guy. Is Arthur Smith willing to take on a
3: project like that as head coach?
2: Well, here's the other side of this, all right? Uh, And you guys can let us know what you think. 404-741-0929. It's our Solomon Brothers Diamond text line. I've said this. If Dez is a starter, he's starting, guys, he's a rookie. This is his rookie year. You don't tell me four games going out of last year that Desmond Ritter, we now know exactly what we have. He's going to be a rookie starting at quarterback. That's how you have to view him. He does not have enough games under his belt. So when you tell me that Coach needs to win, and I do believe that, are you willing to say that he, if he doesn't win eight games with Ritter, what happens? What happens? That, the thing is, you know,
3: he's, gonna, there's got to be some expectation level. I would imagine Arthur Blank, certainly. This and year. I'm not saying
2: he gets yeah, fired, Mike, no. but if you're going to put that same pressure on him if he went in the draft and got somebody, right. it needs to still be there with the guy that's currently here. But it gets us back to the Ritter conversation where Ritter, he had
3: two receivers to look at. I mean, it was a very conservative offense because the offensive line couldn't pass protect. So there was always a tight end or somebody was back there chipping somebody coming off the edge. So it was very vanilla. He threw two touchdowns. He didn't throw any picks. It wasn't Jalen Hurts like when Jalen Hurts came in with obviously nobody in Philadelphia, and he dazzled people. So, I, I get it. I understand why some people are still lukewarm. Ritter's got ten times more starts in college than Anthony Richardson does as far as the experience. Sure. Now, But, but Rich, but I but I agree with you. Just if you stood them next to each other, Richardson is the guy you'd say, that's the guy I want a quarterback. Yeah. Because the upside.
2: The playing in college is good. Don't get me wrong. I want a guy that's played a lot. It should transfer and should matter in the NFL. But, you know, we talk about all these guys who didn't win chips in college, who didn't go to college football playoffs. Mahomes. Who didn't win anything in his college career? Josh Allen. We talk about all these guys that are now quarterbacks, Justin Herbert, right? I mean, listen, you could play at these high level programs, but if you're not winning chips, it doesn't mean that, th- that your skill set doesn't translate to the NFL. And I do agree. I think both mentioned this because he-, he watched a lot of Florida games. And he said, look, I would have loved if Richardson played a lot more, meaning maybe one or two more years potentially, and you, you had a real feel for his game. Right now, it's just a lot of raw potential but it's hard to pass up. You know, Drew Brees is a guy that,
3: uh, you know, was, wasn't the tallest dude Bryce Young's compared to him because you're going to be a pocket passer. Bryce Young doesn't move like Kyler Murray. Big debate this weekend yep. about how tall he was. It was, what, five ten and a half, and a half, and he's just at right about like, uh, at 200 pounds. This is a guy, though, this is the kind of dude who can take hits. I would imagine, like, Cam- now, Cam Newton's career maybe didn't last as long as it should have, but you put a guy with this skill set, and he's got a big personality. You put him in Atlanta, Man, turnstyles will be turn number Mercedes-Benz. You create a real buzz. Then again, and this is not a knock on Ritter. It's just Ritter's in a tough spot when you compare it with this guy's potential. It's a scary proposition, brother. And don't forget, we're going to have free agency, too. When you talk about what we're going to have to get, we can get some things done in free agency. Yeah, but you mean you're not going to get a quarterback. No, but I mean, you, but if you're about edge rusher and all the other things we've been giving lip service to for a decade, you're going to go draft a quarterback who can't throw at 55% completion rating?
2: The Bills did. 4047410929. And people killed them. And now, say something bad about Josh Allen. you got to be given an opportunity to come into the league and show it and prove it and learn and get better. And if he does those things, this dude's going to be a beast. Let's talk about the other thing that's going on today. Calvin Ridley reinstated, which means our Falcons get a fifth-round pick this year. We get a conditional 2024 pick, too. That would be a fourth-rounder, depending on Ridley's season. Meaning it could be a 2024 third rounder. If he signs an extension with Jacksonville, it'll be a second rounder. Plainly stated, guys, if he balls out and has a good year and signs an extension, we end up getting an additional second round pick out of this with Calvin Ridley being reinstated. To the right. NFL,
3: and as we said, we wish him no ill will. I wish he would have, uh, you know, committed to the Falcons and seen it through here. He would have a nice contract extension, but things did what what happened happened, and now you hope that he balls out for them. It's going to be a dynamic weapon for man. If you're Trevor Lawrence, what that thing looked like last year is it? They really turned the page. You add him to that mix, and if you said if they believe in him, it's better for us because it, it it improves our draft position.
2: All right, Mike. Um, the Raiders have officially franchise-tagged running back Josh Jacobs. He led the league in rushing. That's a smart play on their behalf. I don't know who their quarterback's going to be. The franchise tag deadline is tomorrow at 4 o'clock. Ravens say they are going to franchise tag Lamar if they don't get a deal done between now and 4 o'clock tomorrow. Mm -hmm. The other big news today is Derek Carr is now in our division. Yeah, so the Saints, now
3: we can debate what they've got on defense. Is their defense getting long in the tooth? They're going to miss some pieces. How they do it, I know they were $17 million in the red. If you looked at all the websites at track. The cap, of course, contracts are restructured, people are cut, and for years, we, guys, the only way I can explain it to people, because a bunch of people hit us up on the text line today, and they said, I thought the Saints were dead in the water. How did we be so screwed up? We screwed it up seven ways to Sunday, between Julio's extension and Matt's contract. We kicked a lot of money down the road. And Desmond Trufant, everything else, it yep. all got moved to a point where you couldn't even do what the Saints are doing. So they get Derek Carr, so right now they got the best quarterback in the division.
2: Yeah, I, it, it pains me but they're the team to beat. It just is the facts right now. And when you say, how could I easily say that with what we know about all these teams right now, it's a quarterback league, guys. I say it all the time. And their quarterback right now is better than ours. Now, is he going to be better during the season? I don't know. But the perception is, with his experience, Mike, and what he's accomplished and what he's done, he's done more than Desmond Ritter. He's done more than whoever quarterback is uh, going to be in Carolina. And who knows if Trask is the guy with Tampa. You've got to give the advantage to Carolina. Now, that doesn't mean we won't win this division, but right now with what we know, that's a big deal. And no one knows what Tampa Bay may or may not do with their quarterback situation,
3: but Carolina is one of the teams that is rumored to be willing to give a lot, as in three first-round picks, to get from where they are up to number one than to go with whoever they got. Now, if it's not Bryce Young, if they got C.J. Stroud high on their board. But you're going to see either – I think you're going to see Bryce Young either in – basically, Indianapolis or Carolina. Carolina can offer a lot more potentially. So, we'll see where that goes. But the Colts and those guys. And then we get into your Anthony Richardson conversation. Meanwhile, just back to free agency. Khalil Mack is uh, free out there. He's 32. Leonard Floyd reported to be getting waived by the Rams. He's 30. Uh, Would you be interested in giving him a boatload of cash to get after the quarterback? I don't know about a boatload, but Little Birdie has told me he is interested in
2: being in the ATL. Okay. Caleb McGarry, what's your final offer on Caleb McGarry? You bringing him back? Uh, We'll have until tomorrow, 4 o'clock, to franchise tag him. You guys know where I'm at. I don't want to overpay for Caleb McGarry, but it gives you the extended time you need to work on a deal. If you're going to do it, they probably will. He would be the highest paid tackle. Orlando Brown, uh, apparently not going to be
3: tagged by the Chiefs, so Mm. hypothetically
2: he would be available for you as well. All right, lots going on. T-Star, that's his Twitter handle, says, uh, I'd be okay, fellas, if uh, Anthony Richardson was the backup for Ritter four years. So if you take him in as you early him. You him. in the draft as he's going to go, he's starting. And that is the right. dilemma. This is not like the Trey Lance thing in no. San Francisco. You put him on ice. you got to no. put him out there. Appreciate it, T-Star. Thanks for listening, man. Hey, by we- the way, if I had to be a betting man right now, bet you we draft Christian Gonzalez. I don't have corner a corner out that. of Oregon. Well, he was uh, great at the combine. Right. He turned it out. Uh, coming up, we're going to talk about our Hawks, guys. They're back in action against the Heat tonight right here on Sports Radio 92. two nine. the game. Story of the day is brought to you by John Foyt Associates Personal Injury Law. Coming up a little bit later in the show, are we going to get an opportunity to get it back in our city? It's one of the things Mike and I have been talking about today here on Dukes and Bell. Let's talk about our Hawks, man, because they are in action tonight, Mike, against the Heat. 7:30. Uh, check that tonight it's seven o'clock pregame with a 7:30 tip. They lost on Saturday night against the Heat. It was an ugly game. Um, and you know we keep waiting. <laughs> Does a zebra change its stripes, Mike? No, or a cheetah, or any of your favorite critters. I'm with
3: you. It's just ugly. Uh, in the second quarter is where the Heat really kind of got things cooking. Bam, bam. Otubayo was unstoppable. Was. in this game. And as you guys know, I don't want to trigger anyone, but Trey was terrible. It was one of Trey's worst games as a pro, and the Miami Heat have really had a handle on Trey last season, this season. Uh, and DeJounte Murray, unfortunately, could a- render no assistance either. They were combined 5-for-27 from the floor last uh, last Saturday.
2: Um, I want you to hear Quinn Snyder talking about the team can improve with everybody hitting the boards and trying to be a better rebounding team. Um, this was just one of those situations. Listen, we gave up a 37-point quarter. How many times did we hear Nate talk about this when Nate was here? Whether it was a 50-point quarter or a 45-point quarter. We gave up a 37-point quarter to them. But with seven minutes to play, it's 99-94. You had a shot. You're right there, but guess what? We couldn't finish.
3: Right. Does that sound familiar? Well, we couldn't hit threes. I mean, we our three point shooting was to a shot thirty percent. Trey, I mean, as we mentioned him and Dejounte couldn't hit a three point shot last uh, Saturday. But you it just clutch play, clutch down the stretch. Things we've talked about in the fourth. It just we've seen this team just kind of lose its you know kind of lose its composure or have empty calories. Trips down the floor where it's just bad ball movement yeah. or nothing. Nothing goes like it should have been. Although it's difficult to say that with Quinn Snyder just so new to the team, drawing things up.
2: In the first quarter, you give up 50 points. Um, yeah. You remember that? You guys remember that? So this is Quinn Snyder talking about how the team can improve and, and with re- rebounding guards, everybody chipping in.
3: When we get those rebounds, we have to do a better job of sprinting with space so we can throw the ball ahead. And long rebounds are really hard to defend against. So we can get guard rebounding. It's an important part of our defense, obviously, closing possessions, and then you know it leads to offense. It's the NBA. Shooter's going to shoot and guy's going to make shots, but it's always some guy. You know what? Caleb Martin is like the perfect test case for the guy that yep. hits the dagger. He hit the big three. You're just talking about when they closed it within five, and that just was able to kind of give us some arm's length. We talked about how good, you know, Bam Adebayo was. They had no answer for him. You know, I just Trey did get the alley oop. It was one hundred eight, one hundred three with four minutes to go. So you're still within five. You know, you you just couldn't finish it. You couldn't see it through.
2: All right. So tonight we'll see if they rebound. Pardon the pun against the Heat. We talked about the schedule. Wednesday they're at the Wizards, and then Friday at the Wizards. So, Fly. yeah. So I'm again, not. again, Coach, you're not germane to these proceedings. You yeah. are no longer the head coach. But you know what? The I, Hawks. I gotta, be, I gotta be honest. I kind of miss Nate from this. This angle? Like he would just say stuff and I, I kind of miss Nate saying some of the things he would just say. Flat. No effort. Slow start. No defense. <laughs> no
3: hustle. All those things. You know I well, do, do kind of miss now it. Now, again, you know, you and I were debating this. I don't know that Andy Randy talked about. I heard uh, Dennis Scott talking about it on, on NBA TV. I think it was that John Collins is John Collins
2: not ready to go. <laughs> exactly.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Thank that, you that's Nate. The one no, that's that's apropos. That's right the there. one. But is John Collins future in a Quinn Snyder Hawks team? that bright? Is he going to be a guy because it seems like he's leaning more on on Capella and it, and Sadiq Bey got more minutes down the stretch against okay. the Heat. And if you're looking at the minutes 26 against Washington, 23 against Portland, 16 in the loss against Miami. Only three points for John Collins. Now I know John does have that finger issue but i am just, I don't know, I've, I've heard and I've seen it. And I just I, John Collins is playing some bad basketball right now, and he's not. If he's trying to show out for Coach Snyder, it's not working. And I'm beginning to wonder: Are we going to see his minutes diminish? And although it's a different type of player, at small forward, Sadiq Bay grabbing more time.
2: Had a chance to trade him, and they didn't.
3: Old, I mean, but that's old. The old, the, the organization, the old GM, I'm just saying, current GM. But I mean, but do but you think he, Snyder? Did, he, do you think
2: Snyder likes him? Well, I, I don't know, Mike. I, I think Quinn is trying to figure out what the rotations are going to be, and how he wants to use guys. But if you are now going to tell me that J.C. doesn't fit, what I would tell you is they tried to trade him, and it didn't happen. The deal was done, and it didn't happen. Mm -hmm. So now what we probably are going to get is diminished returns from a situation where, Mike, if his minutes are reduced and all of a sudden now you want to move him in the offseason and there will be changes in the offseason, what are you getting in return? Because at the height of this, you could have gotten potentially a lot more. I don't know if Quinn Quinn is looking at this and going, I don't think he fits. Mm. I just think he's trying to find a way to win right now, right? And John's and John is struggling. Whether the finger is affecting whatever he's doing,
3: but again, John John should never be taking jump shots. I'm sorry, he's not a consistent in my mind, a consistent enough three point shooter. Uh, but anyway, 16 minutes the other night, but Sadiq Bay did go for 35 minutes and 22 points, and was one of the only guys who had any kind of pulse. So in here's that game. so
2: here's the thing, and I said this to you a while back. When you've got open shots like that in the NBA, you've got to be able to to, to take right. them and, and knock them down, right? If he's being told now with Quinn Snyder, hey, I want to use you in a different way, and I prefer you don't shoot those, I I don't know. I don't know what that is. I do know this. Nate was encouraging him to shoot those, Mike. When you're in transition and you're at the three-point line, you know, we talk about these stretch fours, you've got to be able to shoot that. Now, if he's not shooting a good percentage and he's not hitting them consistently – then, yeah, you're hurting the team. You can't shoot him. But I don't know if Quinn is directly, you know, Quinn Snyder is directly saying, hey, J.C., don't shoot that. He's only taken five three-point shots
3: since Snyder took over, and he's 0 for 5 for what it's worth. Small, small amount of it shots, is. but he's not hitting anything.
2: It is. It is going to be interesting. Um, and, and, by the way, I, I, I don't know what the changes will be, but the, once this roster is evaluated, and, again, I'm trying to keep hope alive, how far we go, how far uh, – I don't know how far that is. This roster will be turned over. It's going to change, guys. And I don't mean right. Trey and DJ, but you're going to change some of these components. And again, I told you guys this way back when Bogey's about to get paid. Bogey's his shooting percentages and what he's doing off the bench, Bogey's about to get paid. And there's no reason for him to opt into a deal that he could get more money for. So that's a whole other situation, but we'll handle that in the offseason. How do you win with this group right now?
3: Well, another thing is, uh, talking about Quinn Snyder, and again, it's a very small sample size, as you guys know, but I thought A.J. Griffin would get more minutes off the jump. Yeah. And he, he was a DNP on Saturday. Perhaps he'll get in there tonight. Trey's got to be able to hit the three. They've got to be able to unravel Miami. The Heat have just locked Trey down, and part of the reason that DeJounte Murray was brought here was by basis of that five-game you know playoff win
2: for Miami last year and how Trey really was stymied. All right, we'll see what happens tonight as they take on the Heat. But, you know, the thing I think that's frustrating right now is last night I'm watching the Knicks play the the Boston Celtics. They go to double overtime. Knicks came here and just physically beat us up, and that's what they're doing pretty much to everybody. But they did it last night, Mike, without their supposed star. Right. Okay? And they won in double overtime. The Knicks have won nine straight, and we keep talking about When are we going to go on one of these runs? I know we've had other issues Mm -hmm. and all this stuff with the front office and the coaching, and that's why Tony Wrestler came on this show on Friday. But at the end of the day, I don't think it's going to happen. I don't know if we're going to go on a nine-game run like this. We keep waiting, and and we see this inconsistent play. And I'm watching the Knicks last night, Mike, and I'm like, Who's the stars on that team? Yeah. And they did it without, to your point, Jalen Brunson was He was out. out. Yeah, and,
3: and again, you now it did get into the, the Knicks scored 131 because they did go to double overtime, but they're playing better defense. Look, Thibodeau is a harsh taskmaster. We know he beats guys up in practice, yeah. but those guys, they play, the Hawks play no defense. The and Knicks play good, good right. defense. They're physical. So nothing. let me ask you, yeah. we see them in the playoffs this year, they beat us. Yes, they will, because they're more physical. Remember we had these guys, we played the soundbite, Trey, they really physical. Like, what do you think you were going to get? It's the Knicks. They they tried to bully us, the, the series that Trey won two years ago, back in 01. The other thing is about this, where we sit, it's a Midland group. Miami's not really doing anything. Everybody other than the Knicks is all like 500 or 4 and 6 in their last 10 games. So it's ripe, to you said, to make a
2: run. Right now, I think as as we'd play, I think we'd play the Heat in the 7 versus 8. Well, you're seeing this. I mean, we're going to see what they do tonight. Now, they had an extra night on South Beach. I don't know if they went out, if they had a good time.
3: Who knows? But we thought it was going to be win the first game, then get scabozoed, and then
2: lose tonight.
3: (laughs) The Trey goes for 8, and we lost, and now you've got to play them
2: again. 117-109 117-109 was the final score. Uh, we'll see what happens tonight. Our coverage, by the way, begins right here on Sports Radio 929. The game seven o'clock pregame, tips at seven thirty with Mike Conti. Who have the pre-half and post for you, and uh, of course, Steve Holman. Bang! With the call tonight. Wednesday, it's at Wizards. We've been spending a lot of time today talking about all things NFL. The tag deadline is tomorrow. Derek Carr signs with the Saints today. Actually, uh, is agreed to a terms. It won't become official until the league year starts, but we know he's going to be the new New Orleans Saints quarterback. Mm. And then the the Raiders franchise tag, Josh Jacobs. You're going to see a couple more of these franchise tags, guys, play out between now and 4 o'clock tomorrow. The big one I Obviously, it's going to be Lamar Jackson. And the Titans moving on from Derrick Henry. A lot of guys are hitting
3: us up on the text line. Don't want him. Now, I got to be honest, guys. You go and get Derrick Henry if Don't you were him. like the Bucks a couple of years ago when they got Leonard Fournette. You know what I'm saying? That's that's when you go add him when you need the piece to put you over the top. We're not there yet. We've got a young – now, you can never have too many running backs, but there'd be no reason to overpay Derrick Henry as his production starts to go down and he's on the wrong side of where he needs to be career-wise. Best years behind him. He's been Unbelievable. Best years are behind. This, had we won 10 games and now next year we're making a run, then you go get Derrick Henry to put you over the top. Yeah, I, I,
2: I appreciate the, the idea that he could help us, but uh, that takes us back. When we talk about all these moves with the draft and drafting guys, no. that doesn't help Let Leonard Floyd and go getting a big-time defensive tackle, I, I don't mind carving up my salary cap that way. All right, coming up, Grant McCauley. He's down there at spring training. We'll talk to him about the latest with the Braves next on Sports Radio 92.9 The
4: Game.
2: 2021 World Series champion Atlanta Braves on Dukes of Bell Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Oh, let's talk some Braves. Spring training continues. And by the way, Valley Sports and uh, Valley Southeast will broadcast 149 games this season. That got out. Uh, Grant McCauley joins us, as he does, on a weekly basis, guys, and we'll be amping up Grant's appearances on the show as we get closer to the start of the season and, of course, during the season, our go-to. And, Grant, um, I, I got to tell you, man, I, Matt Olsen, I, I want him to save some of this <laughs> for the regular season. He's crushing the ball right now.
1: Yeah, he really is. He looks extremely locked in, and it's pretty much from day one. The whole months are, are flying. And as we talked about you know, throughout the winter and once we got into this rules change business, This guy might pick up a few extra base hits just by the virtue of not having an extra fielder in shallow right field for him every at-bat this year. So it's going to be interesting to see what this year holds for the Braves' first baseman. And he's not having to come in and kind of replace the guy and be the guy and do all the things he had to think about last year and have that homecoming as a Parkview alum as well. He kind of gets to settle in here, and hopefully this is just a sign of things to come. I know that uh,
3: it's always difficult to evaluate what we're looking at because some guys are working on some things, and we'll talk about the rule changes and how that created some kind of funny situations around Grapefruit and Cactus League, but I thought Freed looked great the other day against Minnesota.
1: Yeah, this was really a nice weekend this past weekend for all of the Braves starting pitchers, and even a starting pitcher hopeful for the fifth spot in the rotation and Ian Anderson. But you had split squad action on Saturday. You got three innings, five strikeouts, scoreless baseball from Max Fried. You got three innings of scoreless baseball. Up the road in Sarasota from Spencer Strider against the Orioles. Then Charlie Morton came out. He did allow a solo home run, but no other base runners in two and two-thirds. And Ian Anderson came out, an unearned run in two and a third innings, five strikeouts. That's something you really needed to see from Ian. That has been a problem for him is the swing and miss is this slider going to help him out the spring debut was not what he wanted but he comes back five days later and kind of has an answer for that so a lot of encouraging things to see from the Braves rotation and obviously it all starts at that top with max Fried. he's going to be that guy and it looks like he's already dialed up and ready for that opening day assignment which i would expect will be named uh, for him in the coming days weeks uh, what have you in advance of opening day
2: has ronald talked about the world baseball classic uh, at all down there
1: Yeah, I saw a piece from Mark Bowman yesterday that kind of detailed, and obviously Ronald and Eddie Rosario have both left Braves camp and have headed to their respective teams, Ronald for Venezuela and Eddie for Puerto Rico, and that's, I think, something that Ronald's been extremely excited about. I know that post was out on social media. He saw the World Baseball Classic as a young kid right around the time uh, I would guess that he was uh, you know, really coming into his own and, and growing into a young teenager signed by the Braves and always thought, I want to play in this. And so it kind of gives you a, a kind of an insight into how big the World Baseball Classic is, not just for like Team USA and for the, the United States, but for some of these other countries to come in and really kind of have a point of pride here to win this international tournament. It's, I don't know that it's ever going to have the kind of pomp and circumstance the World Series has for obvious reasons, you know, the 100-plus years of history you've got, But from an international standpoint, this is your air quotes World Series that you've got going on with this baseball classic. So there's a lot of pride there, I think, for Ronald going home to represent Venezuela and be kind of the figurehead, the focal point of that club. That's something he's always wanted. A lot of all-stars
3: in the uh, World Baseball Classic this year, too. Sometimes it's been kind of diluted, Grant, with a lot of minor leaguers or guys on the, you know, on the cusp of being starters in the big, so mm-hmm. it does add some juice. Uh, do the Braves have any reluctance because he goes full, you know, you can't put him in bubble wrap, but, I mean, he was going full tilt down there in Venezuela, and obviously he's going to give his all in this. Any concerns?
1: Yeah, I think that they, you know, talked through it and and realized exactly how much this guy wanted to do it initially. This was something when we talked to him back at FanFest, he was interested in in playing for Venezuela and that had really not come across as, you know, as something that it seemed like he was going to be able to do. Then not too far after that or not too long after that, rather, just before spring training, The agreement was reached. The Braves signed off on it, and there he is. He's off uh, to the races. And I I don't think there's any real reluctance about it. And and when I talked to Brian Snicker a couple of weeks ago, I asked him just in particular about, you know, Ronald Acuna Jr. being healthy for this year and what an impact that could make. And while it does sound like an obvious question, he said one of the things that he's most looking forward to is that Ronald had a regular offseason and even these World Baseball Classic at bats, this kind of gameplay for himself and also for Eddie Rosario. That's the kind of thing that will help get them ready for the opening, you know, for the opening of the regular season. So I think this is something they're viewing as an overall positive, though there is a risk. Every time somebody steps on a baseball field, something could happen, and obviously you can't necessarily manage around that.
2: Grant McCauley, our guest, guys, we're talking about what's going on down at spring training. What about the presence of Kevin Pallar? Is he going to make this team? What do you see uh, with him as you've watched there for the last few weeks?
1: I mean, it's a numbers game right now in that left field slash backup outfielder role. I think that Pilar has, has looked pretty good. I mean, the Braves know what they're getting there. It's a veteran who's got the ability to play a couple of outfield spots. He runs the base as well. He's got some power. Uh, kind of a lost season for him in 2022 thanks to some injuries, but I think he's got a little bit of left in the tank, a little more tread on the tire if we're going to go through all the little cliches we might have in spring training, but <laughs> Sam Hilliard has looked pretty good. I think Eddie Rosario's been hitting the ball hard. That is something you really needed to, to see out of Eddie Rosario uh, here in spring training. Marcelo Zuna looks like he started to wake up a little bit as well. And Eli White has really come on and had himself a good spring. We haven't seen Jordan Luplo yet, but I throw all those names out there to tell you, it's going to be tough, I think, to make this, t- this club as an outfielder just based on the numbers game. you got 26 guys on the roster. 13 of them are going to be pitchers. 13 of them are obviously going to be position players. So when you start to look around at the number of guys that are already set, how many different outfielders are they going to be able to carry? And Brian Smithker came out this past week and said, look, Marcelo Zuna's on this team, so that's not going to be some big spring training bombshell that gets dropped on us. At least it doesn't sound like it. that it- They're going to move on from Marcel. So that's one less spot for one more of those outfielders that came to camp trying to make this club
3: it is our man grant mccauley the best baseball man in town here on the wadeford.com hotline i know there's going to be a lot of uh well you know adjustment periods with the new rules there was a viral video over 3.6 million views of the rays yankees game yesterday where i guess it was yesterday where the rays hitter is not in the box while the pitcher meanders around the mound grant and grabs a rosin bag and just kind of screws around but the batter still has to be in the box with eight seconds left on the pitch count he wasn't whoop he got struck out mm.
1: Yeah, not only do you have to be in the box, because that was the thing with Cal Conley in the Braves' first spring training game. He wasn't taking a stroll. He was just looking down, tapping the plate with his bat, and he got called out, because, or got called for a strike, which happened to be strike three, because he wasn't alert and aware to the pitcher and, and doing all of that. So... You know, again, I understand the pace of play rules. I don't have a problem with the pitch clock, but I think they ought to treat it like, hey, look, if you're in the batter's box or you're the hitter, this 15 seconds applies to both of you. I don't really care where somebody is, but if you're trying to step out, hey, that's a called strike. That's a violation. That's fine. I just don't like these at bat ending strikeouts when you've got the pitcher doing whatever, the catcher standing up. I mean, some of this just doesn't look like a common sense application, and I don't care about how many people want to jump in the mentions and be like, well, the Rule is at eight seconds, you got to do this. I don't care about any of that. It doesn't look good. That's not the spirit of the rule, if you want to call it that. And I would just like to see maybe a little bit more awareness around that. However, you know, putting all of that aside, within a few weeks, couple of months, I think batters are going to be very aware of what can happen if they're not paying attention. And maybe this thing just works itself out, and we can leave it in Grapefruit League and Cactus League play where it belongs. Yeah,
2: I, I've talked to a couple of guys, Grant. They, all these guys, at least a few I've talked to, say it's speeding them up. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no mm-hmm. doubt this clock is speeding the process up. Yep. You, you know for them to get comfortable in the box. And I'm like, so what do you do? And they're like, I don't, there's nothing I can do right now. Like, I've talked to a couple of different guys that say they don't like this. Is, do you think you're going to hear more of this as the season goes on?
1: There's going to be some of it, but when I talked to a couple of the guys on the minor league side that I know that dealt with the clock last year, it was a bit of a a rocky start for all of it. But by, you know, six weeks or so in, everybody pretty much knew their place at that point. You'd had enough dress rehearsals to really know what the expectation was and where you needed to be. And the violations became less and less common. So, and it did, it it did trim 20 something minutes off of game times, I believe 25 minutes maybe was the average time uh, that was, that was taken off of these games. And look, I love two and a half hour games. I don't mind a good three hour game, but when we got to the point where the average game time is like three hours and five minutes and, Some of these are just not altogether that compelling. I understand the precedent that they're trying to set here and the the value of speeding the game up a little bit. I just want to make sure that we're applying it in a way that, you know, you're giving the fans what they want. Because calling people out, just because they're standing in the box but don't have the bat up on their shoulder in a particular position or aren't staring down the pitcher at the eight-second mark, I just think that's a lot of semantics that we could pretty much get lost in, but don't really need to. And, and com- kind
3: of confusing the viewers out there, the World Baseball Classic will
1: not yes. use the pitch count
3: either. So that's right.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So let's go ahead and, and bring this in and integrate it and then throw it out and aside. <laughs> and then the, are we're going to use it in the right. World Series too, or are we not? I mean, we're going to use this in the playoffs, or are we not going to do that? Because you know they don't use the ghost runner at second base, or excuse me, the Manfred man <laughs> at second base for the uh, the the extra innings rule. So. Are these things going to still be in place in the postseason or not? Because those games seem to last even longer than the regular season games.
2: Grant McCauley, our guest, guys. Uh, All right, Grant, as we get ready ready for the regular season, the Braves plan to cut off season ticket sales before the opener. I'm sure you're aware of this, but I think it's a great idea. Mm -hmm. Mike and I were talking about this. People who want those single-game tickets will have more access. It's the first time they've ever done anything like this, though.
1: Yeah, talk about maybe the place you want to be. Have you ever heard any club saying, "Look, we're not going to sell any more season tickets. We've got to put a cap on it." I I think everybody would like to see as many tickets sold as they possibly can. I think it's good for the Braves as much as possible to manage their inventory. You know, they're going to get into the the secondary market and the ticket brokers and all that kind of stuff, but you know, just being able to maintain a I guess a, an adequate number for fans that want to buy them and not, you know, purchase the season tickets. That's just what they're looking to do. But I've never really seen an announcement like that before. And as as you look at the success the Brace have had in their new home and with the battery and over the past two years from a revenue standpoint – I guess these are the kind of things that they'll now be looking into is ways to guarantee that folks have a chance, a fighting chance to get a ticket to what could be the hottest sports ticket in town 81 times a year plus the postseason. Right.
3: And again, guys, this is the official website. When you go to atlantabraves.com, obviously the secondary ticket market is still going to be out there, but obviously
2: that's paid at a premium. Yeah, no doubt. All right, buddy, we got to run, man. Great job, as always. Tell the people uh, where they can check you out from the Diamond. When is it on?
1: Yep, Sunday night's here on 92.9 The Game. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts. In the most recent episode I did yesterday, I had my chats with Max Fried and Kyle Wright down in Braves Spring Training and a good look at the Braves' top prospects from Baseball America. So be sure to check that out. It's from the Diamond, wherever you get your podcast.
2: Great stuff. Grant McCauley will talk to you later this week. It's Dukes and Bell Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Coming up, could we be adding the fourth major? We'll talk about it when we come back on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game.
4: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance.